Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here, your host. Hope you are doing well. Uh, many of you have already started your season, and I understand that. I only wish I, well, actually, by the time you hear this, I will have started my season, and I'll be reporting on that soon. But I uh, uh, hope it's going well for you, and if it isn't going yet, well, good luck as it comes to fruition very any day now for most of us, and that's the cool part. Kind of like... You know, the night before Christmas? Anyway, glad you could join us. And, and you know, finally, I'm going to talk <laughs> at length. Um, this is something that everybody's been asking about for a long time. It seems like chucker hunting is a topic that everybody wants to learn more about for whatever reason. And I'm going to finally share that, you know, <clears throat> I've been doing it for a long time in a lot of places. And I'm going to share all the notes, all the hacks I've picked up from everybody else, all the things that might help you become a new or a better chucker hunter, no matter where you're going, from Wyoming to Northeast um, uh, Oregon, it doesn't matter. These are tips that will probably pay off for you. And even you experienced chucker hunters might find something of value in there, at least I hope so. So uh, stand by for that. Our road trip will take uh, a different tack today. We're going off the highway into some less common information sources for access. So if you're um, not scoring anymore with the usual suspects, consider some of those. And uh, in my latest uh, survey, <clears throat> I asked where you're going on your opener. Uh, you'd be interested to hear what everybody has to say about that. So uh, stand by. And of course, it's all made possible by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina's Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, LandTrust.com, and Hi-Viz Shooting Systems. See what you've been missing. Well, yeah, down to the wire here, and uh, that's a good thing because, man, I've, I looked at my shoulder in the mirror uh, last night. I have got a massive bruise from, from a bad gun mount, but that's because I've been shooting so much at the range, and it seems to be working. Maybe, maybe you are um, interested in, in how it's worked for me, and maybe it'll help you. If, if I had boil it down to one thing, one thing, and that's what I like simple it would be the moment your cheek hits the stock pull the trigger time and again over the last weekend and I shot 200 rounds over the weekend uh, the misses I made I could attribute to that yeah think about it you know the the longer you have that gun muzzle chasing down a target or a bird the more opportunities to wiggle up and down, back and forth, or something worse, which leads to a miss. Okay, enough gun shooting, uh, target shooting, wing shooting advice there. Let's go to what you have to say about where you're going on opening day. That's the question. Where you going? Okay, the answers were um, a little interesting. In-state, but far from home, about 15% of you. Out of state, another 25%. Close to home, about 45%. And then almost 14% of you said, you don't even hunt on the opener. And I don't blame you. Our chucker opener here, I will be en route to my destination. I'm going to let everybody else have the first day to themselves. If you're out there, save room for me. And uh, be safe. Good luck. Our newest sponsor, and uh, I'm headed out to one of their properties uh, soon. I'll report from there when I when I do. Uh, is LandTrust.com. Now, what they do, basically Airbnb for hunting ground. You want to hunt in uh, well, in my case, Central Montana on a certain date. You just open an account. Costs you nothing. Open an account. Search for Upland Bird Hunting, Central Montana, and they'll provide you a list of properties. These are all ranches and farms. 
and the landowners have uh, have agreed to basically open their property for a fee. It runs about a hundred bucks a day. Uh, real simple to make the reservation. They vet you, you vet them. Everybody's happy. It uh, ensures a high quality experience. Learn more about it and how it will open up your horizon to access more ground and quality ground because it's privately owned. Landtrust.com. You'll be learning more about them when I start checking them out myself. And when I'm there, I'll be using my True Lock chokes. Yeah, I'll learn more about their choke tubes and why they are superior. From engineering to materials, truelockchokes.com is where you can go to school on removable choke tubes. From their new Dove chokes that help you shoot better with their, uh, with you know, that bargain ammo, to all the other chokes for virtually any type of shooting. Learn more at truelockchokes.com. Well, you know, a treatise on chucker hunting probably ought to start with a story. Uh, and I can't tell you where this is uh, because the last time uh, I was there, it was uh, pretty weird. Uh, it, it was a moonscape. There'd been a range fire the year before. And it, you know, from a distance, it looked disastrous. Black soil. The wind is blowing the, the ashes into little dust devils. But I knew that canyon in particular, and I know that there's a creek in there. And at the bottom, the creek was still running. Now it runs, and then it goes underground. It runs and goes underground. But it, it was a good sign. And once we started walking, we could see over the next hump that the whole stream bed, the, the riparian zone, was still green. So there is hope no matter what, even in a devastating wildfire like that. And and it's always paid off for me. We find chuckers, we find quail. Uh, it's It's been an incredible place. So we cut the dogs loose and started walking uphill. Then silence. No dogs pushing around the bushes, no collar tags jingling. Couldn't even hear a panting. And three chuckers burst out of this, you know, head-high willow thicket. What they were doing down there was probably getting water, but you never know. It was shady. It was nice. And what feed there was was probably there. Anyway, Dave shot upstream. I shot downstream. We both dropped a bird. And Flick, when he's motivated, when he's down there and he watches that bird fly from his point, He's got like a sixth sense. So he was on that bird in another willow thicket, you know, 50 yards downstream. Snuffled around and brought it back. It was incredible. A great way to start what could have been just a long, dreary trudge in sterile, burnt landscape. But the lesson in all of that is chuckers are where you find them. Whether it looks good or it looks bad, that's something to remember. So search for the right kind of generalized habitat, and I'll talk about that, uh, and then put in the miles. Yeah, chucker hunting, you better be in shape. You better have decent dogs, and you better bring a lot of water. That's the game plan for chucker hunting. Yeah, they're about the wildest birds you'll ever hunt. Unless you go after Nevada Himalayan snowcock or something like that. They're very wild and they're in very wild country. It's the only place that you can go where, well, first off, you'll be farther from a hospital and a Starbucks than anywhere else in the lower 48. But also where everything scratches, bites, stings, or eats you. We got wolves, we got coyotes, we got mountain lions, we got bears. And that's before you worry about falling off a cliff. So be careful. There's a reason the Spanish explorers called this country 
the Northern Mysteries. Nobody wanted to go there. But we go for all of that and a whole bunch more. The magic, the myth, legends, all that stuff. You know, everybody from uh, Joaquin uh, Miller to Claude Dallas, outlaws, uh, hung out in places like this. I remember coming across a cave that looked like it had been kind of man-made a little bit, you know, enhanced. Sure enough, one of the old-timers told me it was um, an outlaw's hideout decades before. Indians uh, have been passing through there usually uh, for thousands of years, and if you walk to the right places, you can find bits of arrowhead, spear points, and lots of petroglyphs. Spiders, snakes, moon men. Oh, yeah. And if you go to the right store at the right time of day, somebody's horse will probably be tied up in front. That's why we go. And that's why we go back. Now, for a lot of you, it's the bucket list bird. For some of us, it's our bread and butter. They are intriguing and vexing. So here's your manual, a starting point for a first or a next hunt. By the way, I'm Scott Linden, host of the Upland Nation podcast, another solo turn here, answering what I hope are most of the questions you have about the incredible passion we have for chucker hunting. Let's start with getting ready. The first thing you want to do, of course, is uh, get in shape, as I said, make friends with the stair machine and spend a lot of time on it. If your knees are up for it, squats and deadlifts are always good. If they're not, try those wall sits. They'll do wonders for your thighs, and that's what you're going to need. Your dog also ought to be well-conditioned. You're not walking a cut corn pheasant field or strolling around in a pine forest for bob whites. Your dog needs to be in incredible shape. And if he isn't snake broke, consider it or at least get him vaccinated. Rig your vest to carry a gallon of water because the last thing you want to do is get to the top and realize you and the dog are both already dehydrated. There's no water in most of those places, so you need to bring it with you. And a gallon early in the season is probably, oh, the right amount for one person and one dog. Go to the range. <clears throat> I've been telling you this for years and years, but practice shooting low targets, targets that are flying away and down, hard crossers, those are the things that, um, that, that, that will drive you nuts. But that's how most of those birds behave. Train your dog to handle running birds. If they can't, you know, kind of stalk or creep or <clears throat> relocate, then the risk of uh, those birds flying wild is too great. Because quite often your dog will get uphill from you Make a point, and it'll take you 10 minutes to get the 150 yards up the hill to where the dog and the birds are. Oftentimes, and, and some of the pros have reminded me over and over again, the right thing to do if you got a feel for that spot up there next to that pile of rocks, bring your dog in and have him walk at heel until you're both in a good position to where you can cut him loose and be ready for a shot. Yeah, walk him at heel. Learn a little bit about the habitat. Recognize key components like uh, food sources, water sources if there are any, and, and what kind of cover these birds like. I'll talk a little bit more about that stuff later, but for now, let me just suggest uh, several things. <clears throat> it's not always true, but it's true enough to where it's a, an axiom. If there's no cheatgrass, there's probably no birds. Cheatgrass is a, an invasive weed it's got a seed like foxtail, but not as long a tail on it, for example. But the birds eat that largely <clears throat> most of the year. They eat the seeds when they can find them in the fall and the winter after the spring, after the, the rains come. They're eating the green shoots as they come up out of the ground again. Cheatgrass is really important. It's not the only thing they eat, but they eat a lot of that. If you don't find it, probably ought to drive on. 
the other things they want are verticality. They like slopes. They like a lot of canyons. They, all the things that, uh, that are important to uh, uh, mountain climbers are important to uh, chuckers. And they need some broken rocks, some rim rock, some big boulders, that sort of thing. They'll use them as a roost. They'll use them as a heat source in the evenings. Uh, they'll also use them as cover from avian predators. I remember coming down down a slope once, uh, you know, one of those two hands and two feet kind of climb down, if you want to call it that. And I get to one spot and I there's a cave, a little about a two foot deep, one foot tall cave lined in chucker droppings. Took a picture of that. I'll, maybe I'll show it to you someday. The, the other thing we've done is climb to the very top of a massive rim, rim rock that, you know, three, four stories high, you know, that cliffy part of it, and found a tunnel in there. That tunnel was 15 or 18 feet long, lined with chucker droppings. Again, they, they would all go up there, probably at night, and roost in that tunnel. So uh, look for those things uh, and then park the truck and start walking. You need a nearby town that has public land close. Ideally, you're looking for some place to stay or camp, so you want to get close. Uh, you can find spots through um, your online mapping apps. You can read between the lines of somebody else's social media boast. Um, you can uh, look at uh, the satellite photos. Uh, some of your Google searches will help you with some of the basics. Make sure you know where wildfire has altered the habitat because it could change your travel plans. Talk with the biologists and then be prepared to... Um, uh, you know, find a lot of manure before you uncover the pony. How about your dog? He's next on the list when you're preparing for a chucker hunt. If your dog is steady, it really does help. Work with him on running birds if you can. There are a lot of ways to do that, but they all require live birds. Maybe work with a trainer who has live birds or take them to a, you know, a preserve or two and, and work on that specifically. Once you're both ready, here are some places to start. First, the long shots. Wyoming, Montana, Hawaii, Utah, and maybe even South Dakota, so they say. The best chance at success finding chuckers are Northeast and Southeast California. Southeast Oregon, Northwest Nevada, Central and Eastern Washington, and Western Idaho. So if you look at all those places, look at some of the border lines, state borders, where big rivers define the border. They're usually, first off, creating all sorts of vertical habitat. Second off, they are water sources, so are their tributaries. And third off, they um they are in desert country that is very similar to the Himalayan and Middle Eastern natural habitat of these birds. <sighs> Find a spot and provision yourselves accordingly. We'll come back to that and a few other things, including other ways to obtain good access information in the second half of the show. So don't go away. We're brought to you in part by sageandbreaker.com. Just pulled out my newest bottle of CLP. Now it's in the truck for the season. Clean, lube, protect in one spray. Yeah, it works for me and it works for you. I've also got their new three-in-one system for cleaning the bore. It's kind of a detachable brush and a buffing rope you drop the weight down the barrel and then you just pull it out. Poof! Shiny and pretty. Clean and ready for the next hunt. Learn more about all their gun care products and their gun storage and uh, transportation products as well. 
at sageandbreaker.com. And I'll be um, shooting a lot of pointer shotguns this season uh, because they've now got some side-by-sides, which I, of course, love. And uh, I, of course, love even more the pointer shotguns with the case coloring. Take a look at all their models, all their sizes. Yeah, there's some youth guns. And all the gauges, including a 28-gauge case colored over and under at PointerShotguns.com. PointerShotguns.com. All their shotguns, you know, they're pioneers in this. All their shotguns have a seven-year warranty. You watch some of even the fanciest gun makers now are finally coming around to that. But it's been that long when Pointer Shotguns have had that seven-year warranty the whole time. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here. Yeah, I've hunted with a lot of chucker chucker hunters over the last 34 years. Most of them better shooters, better dog handlers, and certainly better looking than me. And most of the things I've learned, I learned from them. So thank you, Tom. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everybody who has let me tag along or ask dumb questions. You... Dear listeners, are the beneficiaries of all of that, and that's what we're here to do today is help you become a new chucker hunter or a better chucker hunter. So, well, welcome to the fraternity. I was on the planning part, and I I wanted to touch a little bit on some of the other aspects. Once you're finding uh, your ideal uh, locations, if you will, destinations, I want to editorialize a little bit. Uh, spend spend your money as locally as you can. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not. You know, one of the warnings I give everybody is don't plan on finding groceries, fuel, or roadside assistance in chucker country. So bring spares of everything. Tires, shotguns, and don't forget the beer. Once in a while, there will be an oasis, both culturally and literally, And some of them even have craft beer, but for the most part, be self-sufficient. But when you can, spend your money as close to your destination as possible. Hunting is economic development in a lot of those places. Sure saves a 90-mile trip to the grocery store. All right, uh, so you're going to do that. You're going to choke your double guns, improved cylinder and modified, because most of the shots will be a little longer than usual. And more more importantly, you want to drop those birds rag dead. Because if you shoot a chucker as he's locked his wings and wounded will glide all the way down to the bottom of the canyon. Somebody's got to go get it. And I'll never forget this is on a big river in eastern Oregon. I did exactly that. It was one of the, it was a, an incredible day, and I wondered why the birds were holding so tight until I finally saw the golden eagle perched at the top of the ridge when we were down at the bottom trying to find that last bird. We couldn't find it. I gave up. It was dark. As soon as I gave up and started walking towards the truck, old Bill trots up behind me with that chucker in his mouth. Yeah. Trust the dog. If you're not trusting your dog, then you need to train a little bit more. Choke your gun a little tighter than you should, and then you won't have to climb back up those hills a lot. A lot of people ask me what kind of shot I use. I use number six most of the time for the very same reason. I don't think you'd need to go heavier, but I certainly wouldn't go to a number seven and a half because some of those long shots, uh, the ballistics may enter into that. All right, what are we looking for? What kind of habitat do chuckers um, inhabit most of the time? Well, I talked about cheatgrass. Fine cheatgrass, fine chuckers, often true. But, you know, for many reasons, they won't. Even that burnt out hunt I described at the very beginning of the podcast, you know what was in that the crops of those birds? Toasted cheatgrass seeds. <laughs> Maybe that's like birdie popcorn. I'm I'm not sure, but that's that they were they were foraging in the ashes for the un 
burnt cheatgrass seeds. Now in the winter, they'll eat a few sagebrush leaves, but they can also scratch down through soft snow to get at cheatgrass shoots. They'll eat bugs, they'll eat tubers, the shoots of uh, anything that's greening up. But, and I've learned this the hard way for, for many years, it, it, you know, there's also an, another species or two of invasive weed that is worthless to birds. And uh, being a little colorblind, um, I've been confused. Take a pair of binoculars, check out a slope, make sure it's really cheatgrass before you hike all the way to the top and find out it's Medusa head rye. <laughs> Which will give you a real sleigh ride down the hill again if you step wrong. But uh, not the kind of thing that anybody will eat. Water? Yeah. Chucker are one of the few birds that I have reliably counted on to come to water, especially early in the season. I was uh, talking with an old timer in a place in southeast Oregon once across a gas pump, the only gas pump in the county, I think. And he said, yep, you go to that place at that time and, and the birds will be coming down to water. And I trusted him because he used to run cows up there before he sold out to somebody else who runs cows up there. We got there right on time, and sure enough, there they were in a single-file line, marching down the hill, making the little hop over the little tiny cliff that got them right to the water, and they were drinking. And then they were marching right back up the hill. You could watch. It was like kind of like a, a reverse assembly line. You know, some were coming down, some were going up. In between them and us was a hive of hornets in the ground we all live to tell about that but we also had a great hunt so look for water streams if you can find them ponds even a stock tank those sort of things early in the season once the snow flies or the rain falls every depression in the lava rock is a uh, watering source for a covey of chuckers so They'll spread out more. You'll have to walk farther. But that's why we're here, isn't it? Okay. Snow. I think they get moisture from snow as well. And like I said, they will they will also go up there. You know, a lot of folks will suggest that a, a, a bird or a covey of chuckers will always be below the snow line. So you can stand in a canyon, you can see, you know, watch the bare ground. Right where the bare ground meets the snow, that's where the birds will be. Yeah, quite often that's true if it's hard to dig through that snow for feed. But if it's not, there's nothing stopping them from being up there as well. I remember watching a track and then following it. And you know how you get single-minded about that. You're walking along, you're looking right at the ground, you're walking right along those tracks. I get to a bush and I turn to Dave and I say, Dave, hey, you know, I was walking these tracks right up here. And they stop. Nothing comes out. <laughs> there they go. Caught with the firearms equivalent of my pants down. But it was still educational. And now you don't have to do that. Although you will have to walk uphill in the snow a lot. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled at all times. Be ready to shoot at all times. Um... You never know when a bird is going to be anywhere. Like I said, they are where you find them. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. This is all things chucker hunting today. Um, if I'm not covering something that you want to know about, be patient. Uh, we'll be talking more about this stuff as we go. And then also at findbirdhuntingspots.com, I've got other things in there about this and other bird species and how to hunt them. So check them all out there. Continuing on here, remember that all the factors I've talked about, food, cover, water, they don't need to be in a single draw. Chuckers will walk a long way. They only feed a few hours a day, then they lay around most of the time in cover with some sort of you know, protection from avian predators. At night, I wish I knew what was going through their tiny heads because they'll roost in the open on rocky soil. They'll roost in and amongst the taller grasses, but with no logic to it. 
They'll be along big side, you know, big rocks that have retained heat overnight, or even in a grove of head-high sagebrush. So, for all I know, they book hotel rooms in in nearby towns at night. I mean, there's no logic there. Which means, of course, they are where you find them. Okay, let's talk about starting our hunt. Find your own damn draw. Yeah, if, if, you're choosing, if your chosen spot already has a truck in it, go to the next one. There's plenty of draws, plenty of habitat. Give everybody their own space. Somebody who worked harder to find it got up earlier. Maybe they spent the night down there at the mouth of the draw. Whatever it is, there really isn't room for the two of you. So find another spot. Plenty to go around. Now, a lot of people will <clears throat> see a, an old ranch road or a, you know, a BLM road going right up the gut of that canyon. And they'll drive all, all the way to the top because that's where you really want to start your hunt most of the time. Well, the problem is all that prime country between the bottom and the top is now disturbed. The last time I had to learn that lesson, we were going up a, a, a canyon that I, I know and love. And at the very bottom, I'm wondering why the dogs are just going crazy. You know, they're in the back seat, but they're really not. They're jumping all over the place. They're smudging up the windows. I slam on the brakes and I look ahead of me and there are... The ground is vibrating. There are so many chuckers just walking around out there. And they're freaked out because here comes a truck disturbing their whatever they're doing, feeding probably. The dogs are going crazy. We get out, turn the dogs loose, and of course that was the end of that. <laughs> Before we even had time to get our shotguns, those birds were already up the hill and flying farther. So don't spoil the good stuff at the bottom, especially if there's water down there and it's early in the season. Then, if you must, walk up that draw, get to the top, and then hike across. Yeah, that's probably the number one rule I follow now. You get to the bottom, be a little strategic, be a little stealthy, don't slam doors, don't blow a lot of whistles, all that stuff you might actually hear some birds call to each other. They often call once they've been, once the covey's been broken up, but they often call for no reason at all. And if you can hear that, find a careful strategic route up to that sound and go hunting. Top off your water, turn on the GPS collar and Chuckers are hyper aware of their surroundings. Everything out there is going to try and kill them. So be stealthy. A little bit of an aside, I just finished a, a, a video on this at MidwayUSA.com, by the way. Uh, ways to use your e-collar or your GPS e-collar to communicate with your dog so you don't yell scream, or blow a whistle. If you've trained your dog in advance, you can use the, the, the tone or the vibration settings to get your dog to come back to you, to hold still, to change direction. Do all that in advance and you'll probably find another chucker or two to shoot at. Take a look at the stream sides. Cover the slopes. You never know. They may be going from water or to water. If not, head for the summit. Take a long roundabout trip so that you can get up there before, um, you know, before you push the birds off the top because they see you coming. And if you find birds en route, that's the elevation most of them will be at for a while. So stay there, side hill across, and see what happens. We were doing that once, uh, and Tom and I, Tom, thanks for showing me that spot named after a certain amount of money. It was the hardest hunt I've ever been on. Uh, we were side-hilling um, right at the bottom of a grove of junipers, and it was hot. The lake down there was bone dry. hasn't hasn't had water in 10 years. But um, <clears throat> we're side-hilling on uh, 
slopes that are basically made up of bowling ball-sized lava rocks. Tom's a little bit ahead of me on the top. That's how, how you do that. Uh, <clears throat> I hear him yell. I hear the bird fly. I look up. Here comes one bird right from the base of a juniper tree. <clears throat> he takes a shot, but it's a long shot. I spin around. I'm going to take a shot that looks more like one of those driven bird shoots in England. <clears throat> Standing on two boulders until I slip off both of them. Land on my shins. Pull the trigger. And the bird falls. By the time I dust myself off and check both knees for lacerations, flick his back with the bird in his mouth. I did not have to buy any beer the rest of the day. But the side hilling is what will do that. If one guy's eh, 50, 100 yards uphill from you, or yeah, I, usually I make them go the other 100, 100 yards, and a little bit ahead in the direction you're going, <clears throat> you push running birds up to him, and he pushes flying birds down to you. Yes, that's right. For the most part, chuckers run uphill and then fly downhill. So if you try to chase them up the hill, number one, those little tiny feet will outrun the fastest field trial dog. So don't even bother. Get to the top and push from the top down. That way, they have no escape route up. They'll fly instead. All right, enough about that. Let's talk a little bit about strategy and tactics on chucker hunts. <clears throat> you're at the top. You took a picture. You gave the dogs a drink, and you're planning your route. Yeah, just like an elk hunt, just like a whitetail hunt, you got to have a strategy. Often birds will stage just below the highest spots. And often they'll post a sentry on the highest spot. So if you're at a place where you can see a bird skylined against, uh, you know, the rest of the, the, the sky, all the better. But now the challenge becomes, how do, you, how do you get to those birds without alerting them? We'll use all the cover you can get. Go the other side of the ridge and walk as far that way as you can before you come up. Maybe you'll surprise them. As you approach, use rim rock or boulder piles or, or vegetation of one sort or another to, to, to hide your approach. Send the dogs to probe the areas downslope from your walking route as that's where birds will often run. You'll be there waiting. Now, a starting point on chilly mornings, south-facing slopes. That's where birds will go to warm up after a night of shivering. On windy days, birds will often hunker on the leeward side of ridges. On warm days, they'll look for a shady slope or a, a, some sort of vegetation that creates shade. That's that tall sage, for example. And oftentimes... <coughs> It's a little bit like what when you used to play Army. I was on this really big, why don't I'll call it an amphitheater. And I saw one bird on the second highest boulder in a pile, oh, about 200 yards away. Maybe not that if I could see it. Maybe, maybe it wasn't quite that far. <clears throat> Pulled the dog in, went downhill swung around to where I thought I could get up on those boulders pretty fast. In fact, I swung all the way around to the other side. I used that higher boulder to block the lookout's view, turned the dog loose, but he didn't move. Yeah, the upslope breeze coming from that rock pile had already got him to point. So, of course, I'm thinking, okay, he won't stay long, so I scrambled over the loose rocks and sent a couple birds into the air. <clears throat> for once, a bird flew uphill, and for once, my shot string was in the place he flew. I know. Wonder of wonders. 
Okay. Uh, chucker hunting uh, is, is one of those kind of games. You never know what you're going to, you never know where you're going to find them. I've talked about verticality, you know, the fact that you need slopes, often jagged, rugged slopes. They love that stuff. But within that stuff are lots of places they like periodically. I haven't, I haven't got a pattern for this. Weather, wind, I've talked about those things. I think those are part of it. But if you're going up and down those hills and you look over there and find a little bowl or a saddle or a bench, maybe a terrace, you know, a, you know, a long line of, of flat ground, get to it. If there's cover, water, or feed, all the better. But you can find birds in those kind of places periodically. And, and, and they will also <laughs> be a nice bit of relief from the uphill or the downhill climbing you've been doing. If you find a place like that and you can put people around the edges of it, then it's just like a pheasant hunt. Shoot safely, only high shots. Run your dog into the middle and you never know what might happen. <clears throat> okay. Now, once a covey flies and you miss, and I've made a study of that, they'll often head for the nearest obstacle to your shooting. So if you're approaching a pointed dog, pointing dog, <clears throat> look around and see where they might go next. A ridge line, a, a point, a rocky point, boulders, or even a grove of juniper trees, doesn't matter what it is, even tall brush. If they can get to that fast, that's going to be their protection from your shot. Set your feet for it, set your partners for it, then move in on the birds and you'll be, you know, just a step or two better off than you would be otherwise. You're going to need all the help you can get because the sound of a big bunch of chuckers flying is kind of like a jet plane. It'll bollocks your shot. But if you're smart and you're shooting uh, semi-auto or you got a uh, double barrel gun of one sort or another, save your second or maybe your third shot. Because... 75% of the time, one bird hopes everybody will give up and go away, and he flies after that. We got lucky on one flat spot. This is a, I can't wait. I'll be, I'll be starting the season here next week, now that I think about it. We were walking some very gradual, almost flat ground, uh, and, and kept seeing obsidian chips everywhere. And, you know, we see them enough to where we think, well, this is where some guy sat down and made some arrowheads, and those are the leavings from it. <clears throat> but then there they are again, you know, another 50 feet, another 50 feet. And pretty soon the ground is covered, sparkling. The ground is glittering if black obsidian can glitter. And I'm, I'm to the point where I'm worried about the dog's paws because, you know, obsidian is sharper than a surgical scalpel once it's flecked off like that or it's broken off in some other way. So that we figured out finally was probably an erupting volcano thousands of years ago. But whatever it was, we're, we're marveling at this stuff on the ground when we realize no, there's no dogs around here. I get up and look around. There he is. He's on point 200 yards away on another flat, the, the rest of the flat spot. So we're hightailing it over there carefully with guns open. And they aren't, the birds aren't having any of that. So they, they flush. <clears throat> bird goes one way, bird goes another way. One bird comes my way. One of the few flat ground chuckers I've actually shot. Yeah, that's why I'm going back. <laughs> All right, so so there you go. The end of your hunt will probably occur when you run out of water for your dog. Let me remind you again, your dog is going to need a lot of water. Or maybe you shot a limit, unless you shoot like me. Or it's 
Beer 30. And there's nothing like Beer 30 after a chucker hunt. So celebrate every achievement from getting up the hill to getting back down the hill in one piece. Honor your dogs. Give them water, a dry place to sleep. Keep them happy because without them, you, uh, you wouldn't be doing this sort of thing, would you? All right. Give your dog the once over twice, a thorough tailgated exam to find all the stuff that's stuck in him, stuck in his eyes, his ears, uh, his teeth. Uh, let's see what else inside. Um, yeah, inside his, his, his mouth, in his paws and, and everywhere else. So make that your highest priority once you get back and then start telling stories. I've got a few, as you've heard. Got a lot more. Build some of your own from there. That's what chucker hunting is all about. It's not the number of birds in your bag. It's the number of stories you have to tell afterwards. If I didn't answer your question, you know, you know how to talk to me. Ask me the question. I'll do my best to answer it. Uh, one of the social media. Send me an email from findbirdhuntingspots.com. Love talking about this stuff. And apparently so do you. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by HighVizSites.com. See what you've been missing. Simple to install. Just a magnet in most cases. It will help you uh, figure out eye-muzzle relationships. Make you a better shooter. That's why their original equipment on Ruger, Smith & Wesson, Benelli, and other great gun makers. Learn more at HI. Vizsites.com, highvizsites.com. And at midwayusa.com, they're going to give you 10% off just for signing up for their email or text notifications. 10% off. Yeah, add up a big shopping cart full of the, the stuff you need this season and save 10%. Just sign up for the email or text notifications at midwayusa.com. This week on the road trip, we're not going anywhere except in our minds. You know all the usual places to check for information on finding public access. Well, these go beyond that. Maybe one of these will help you. They've helped me in the past, and, um, and I, I, I will offer them up to you. You know, we all call the biologist at the, the local office of whatever wildlife agency we're working with. Sometimes the best data comes from the front desk person. Happened a couple seasons ago for me, and it will probably happen again if I'm lucky. So don't uh, skip over the folks just because they're the ones answering the phone. Quite often, they're the real hunters in that building. Spend time and money at the local coffee shop or tavern. Buy your groceries and fuel in town. Ask everybody. Some of them will know what they're talking about. Others will know somebody else who knows what they're talking about. But it's better than no information. Talk to rural mail carriers, school bus drivers, game wards, UPS drivers. All those folks, while pressed for time, when asked in the right way at the right time, might be able to help you a little bit. And I have made use of this over and over again, and I can't say enough good about local chambers of commerce or visitors' bureaus. In a lot of places, they even maintain a list of the landowners who are, are either on some sort of a state or local access program, or sometimes they're landowners who will just open their land to anybody Sometimes for a fee, sometimes for free. Good luck out there. Be safe. Take care of your dogs. This part of the show is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan Sport. If you want to learn more information about their formulations, go to ProPlansport.com. Just read a great article by a veterinarian in Versatile, dog, versatile Hunting Dog Magazine. That's the NAVDA journal. Uh, again, talking about how carefully they've researched all aspects of the nutrition in their pro plan sport. Yeah, it's created to optimize oxygen metabolism. 
that's in the in the in the Olympic world they call that the VO2 max. In the hunting dog world, it means your dog's going to run a little farther, a little longer. High protein with real meat as the first ingredient, critical, especially for a predator. And the perfect balance, 30% protein, 20% fat, fuels metabolic needs and maintains lean muscle. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. And speaking of learning, man, did I learn a lot this summer taking lessons from Vandy Fiedler at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. She has squared me away, I think. I've been passing along some of her wisdom over the months in the Upland Nation Insights newsletter. But if you want to learn for yourself, go to midvalleyclays.com and book a lesson. Yeah, she'll take you for one lesson. And she is insightful in a way that I've never seen with anybody else. And that is... She looks at the whole shooter, figures out what's most important today. Foot position, gun mount, eyes, whatever it is, she'll make you a better shooter on the first day. Go back for more. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. Midvalleyclays.com is where you learn more about not only their assortment of Browning shotguns, now on sale, and where you book a shooting lesson with any of the hunter instructors at midvalleyclays.com. Well, I hope you learned something. If you didn't, ask the questions at all those places I told you. I'll be glad to answer them if I can. If not, I'll make up something. Maybe you'll get a chuckle out of it. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please tell one person that's how we grow. If you've commented or left a review or a rating, I sure appreciate it. And I appreciate the sponsors who make it all possible. Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Jokes, MidwayUSA.com, LandTrust.com. Without them, we wouldn't be here today. And I sure love doing this. I hope you enjoy listening to it. And that's who I thank last on purpose. Thank you so much for being a part of the Upland Nation. I'm Scott Linden. See you in the field. (laughs) 